Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 107th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Someone's, and I'm the host of this lovely show. Joining with me back from Jacksonville, Florida, back from the glorious pay-per-view that was Double or Nothing 2021 is my good buddy, my good friend, Floyd Johnson Jr., my man. How was your weekend? My weekend was amazing, uh, one of the best ever, and I can honestly say uh, it was one of the best ever because I hadn't had one in a very, very long time. Well, weekend like that, I've been to a lot of shows. Uh, as everyone knows, I've liter- as everyone that listens to the show know, I've been to every AEW pay per view except for double or nothing 20 because no one was at double or nothing 20. Uh, so it was. My fifth time, so I've done Jacksonville five times since last September, and I've done six shows in Jacksonville, two Dynamites and four pay-per-views. So it has been a memorable thing. I want to thank, I know no one from the city of Jacksonville is listening to this show, but I'd like to thank like city of Jacksonville and AEW because, you know, it gave me something to do. You know, for a year during the pandemic, this was in essence probably my last time in Jacksonville for quite a while, at least this year, unless I go to the New Year's Evil thing. But it's probably my last time in Jacksonville for the year. And, you know, it was a good run. It was a good run. 
Yeah, it was a very good run. And um, I can tell you right now, I'm still jealous of you for all the shows that you've attended. But I will be um, getting back to my first AEW show for sure. I, I'm, It's going to happen. I will make it happen. Me and my sister will be going to uh, All Out this year, 100%. So I cannot wait to get back into an arena to watch AEW Live because – I need that. I need that back in my life, man. It's it's just too good. But regardless, uh, with Floyd back, we have to talk about Double or Nothing itself. We're going to go through the entire weekend, of course, because we got a man on the inside in Floyd who experienced not only just Double or Nothing, but the Fan Fest and Friday Night Dynamite that took place before. We won't really go through a review of Friday Night Dynamite, but we will let Floyd give his experiences and stuff like that, share a little bit of the story of how his weekend really fully went. But before we get into the show in its entirety, I want to make sure, real quick, we got to sell some bills. Uh, we got to make sure you're downloading this show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify, be sure to give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers. Anybody you wish, no matter what podcasting platform you listen to this show on, be sure to give us a share. If you want, you can also leave a rating and a review. That really helps uh, advertisers get a look at the show, possibly, and also gets our show noticed. You can also, if you're so inclined, leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. That would be incredibly generous if you would do such a thing. The smallest thing you can do, of course, is follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. They are our podcasting network. Be sure to check out all of Social Suplex's other podcasts. You will not be disappointed. I myself am at SZoomer4 on Twitter. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, of course, big news of the week is that we just witnessed Double or Nothing Weekend and all the extremities that went along with the show. So I think for this little bit of the podcast, I want to just let Floyd kind of just give a rundown of how the weekend went up until Double or Nothing itself when we'll just get right into the show and go through match by match. So Floyd, can you let the fans know a little inside scoop? of how that weekend was at Daly's Place. Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm really excited to let everybody know. But before I do that, I want to make sure everybody is going to at Rich Lotta on uh, Twitter, at Rich Lotta 32 on Twitter. Uh, he has a new uh, music video out where he's with Swerve. Uh, he's with Swerve Scott and Montezzi. And it is, yeah, so they uh, did a music video, and I watched it last night, about seven minutes long. It is pretty, uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, It is Haters, and it's a comedy. It's like uh, two songs put together. I don't know what that's called, Uh, but uh, yeah, it is uh, Haters and Dope. And Rich was the producer on it. And actually, he raps on both sides of the track. He's in the music video. He plays a cop in one. You know, uh, yeah. So it's like, and a doctor in the other. Catch out Rich. He's the one with the luxurious fro. So I wanted to give a shout out to that. I don't know how much there's crossover between hip hop music and uh, this show. But if you do, make sure you check out Rich. And uh, last but not least... Uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? I, I, I definitely wanted to get there across. Oh, yes, this weekend, sometime this weekend, they will be putting out, Social Suplex will be putting out uh, our cards that we uh, that we recorded, and it'll be audio recording of we did a Social Suplex draft, and we built a pretty good uh, card, and they'll be taking votes 
between all the shows on Social Suplex. So if you listen to this show, go through, decide which one you like best, as in pick us. No, but uh, decide which show you like best and go ahead and give it a vote. We'd love to have a lot of participation on this, even if even if the unfortunate thing happens and I don't win. We don't win, you know. We still want a lot of participation. I just like to let because that'll help me prepare for next year. Because it's gonna be me and Austin next year. We're gonna make us a draft board and be ready for this shit. Uh, but yeah, we'll be. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to get that out there. But as far as the weekend, uh, I got there at uh, I got there on Friday morning at about eleven. Uh, I met my good friend Tiffany at the airport. Now, I've been to Jacksonville, like I said, five times, and I generally rent a car because it's really, really hard to get around. Uh, it's really hard to get around uh, in public transportation. Everything's kind of spread out in Jacksonville. Well, I get to the damn uh, car, rental, uh, car rental, and it's like there's four rows of lines, and I'm on the outside row. So I'm sitting there waiting in line. Tiffany comes up. And I get a text on my uh, phone that um, the budget had already charged me. I hadn't even checked in, but they had already charged me. What that meant is I was in fast break, which I, I, you know, I had never used because Jacksonville had never been busy. So I got to skip around the line. Woo! Yeah. So uh, me and Tiffany picked up the car and we went down to the hotel. We stayed at the Omni. In Jacksonville, downtown Jacksonville, it was pretty cool when it had uh, food at this restaurant called Spliffs. Now, Spliffs has a macaroni bar. So they have like 10 different macaronis, and they're all different things. Like they have a Philly cheesesteak macaroni, uh, a grilled chicken macaroni, uh, you know, vegetarian all the way through. Delicious. I had this pulled pork sandwich that was fucking amazing. So if you're ever downtown Jacksonville, I will uh, definitely recommend Spliffs. They also have a huge alcohol selection, like alcohols I'd never heard of. They were there, so definitely check them out. We checked into the hotel. Uh, we checked in the hotel Friday. Got a nap because I, I definitely needed a nap. I hadn't been up since the day before. Uh, went to the uh, down to Dynamite. Uh, we met some. Met a lot of people. Uh, met a lot of people in line. I, I I'm not going to list the people we met in line. Why? Because I don't want to leave anyone out. But if you met Floyd or Tiffany at the at, at the event, I remember you and thank you. It was fun and it was a pleasure meeting you. But we uh we jumped in the line. Uh, got in the event. Now this was weird. So. My whole goal is I, I, I packed really well. I packed my Cody figures, my Young Buck figures to get signed by them at the uh, at the Fan Fest. I packed like five different shirts. But the goal was on Sunday, Cody's new shirt that released next week, last week, I was going to wear it to the event. Good. Get to the first show. Go to the merch stand. Cody's shirt's not there. I'm like, oh okay. no! So I'm like, oh okay. It'll what? They're just waiting until uh, the fan fest. So we go to Dynamite, and it was a great experience to be out there with friends. Uh, it was a great experience to be out there with people, and uh, we were in the second row, uh, pretty much center. 
Like, uh, apparently, uh, there's this time when Jericho's music is playing and we're singing along. You can see me and Tiffany right next to each other. It's mostly Tiffany, and then you see my face a little bit. And then, you know, Andy and Amy were across the Andy Nimity and Amy Nimity were across the ring. We waved at them, and it was an amazing time. And I will tell you, I will put it up against anything I've ever done in a sporting event or wrestling event, the single along the Judas is the best thing. I can honestly say, not really a fan of the song. Never have been. But the single along, everybody's like passionate and pumping their fists and all that stuff. And I learned the words from going to AEW events. I had never listened to the song. I had never listened to the song on uh, like an album or downloaded it. I think I might have watched it on YouTube once, but it's done so much at AEW events. That's how I learned the song. So when they came out and everybody's singing and you see me pumping my fist or whatever and singing my heart out because it's just, it's that cool of an event. It's like the only thing I can compare it to as a sports fan is, uh, when you're at a Florida State game and are at a Chiefs game and you get you know, the war chant. That's the closest thing that I can say to that. It is just so cool because the war chant is kind of generic. But, I mean, people are hitting every word of this Jericho song. And, and everybody's like, well, Jericho can't help but smile. But, I mean, that's somebody, that's a whole crowd singing the words that you wrote. He's a, he's a rock star and a wrestler. At that moment, those two things are absolutely combining, and I just yeah. think that I just think that was cool. The show was good. We got some uh, dark elevation matches, and and it was like the crowd wasn't it wasn't a sold out crowd, but the, you started to get the feeling that Sunday was going to be crazy because everybody was popping for everything. I got the Jungle Boy thing on uh, elevation. Oh, oh, you know, that song, which, again, I don't really like, not my type of music, but, you know, when he came out, at, uh, when he came out, I was waving my hands to, oh, oh, I don't even know the tune. I, I, I matched. There you go. I just matched the tune of everybody singing around me. Uh, so it's just so cool. And you're waving your hands, and it was just like, Jungle Boy is over. Now, I will tell you. From no first two impressions of that day, I can tell you two people that are definitely daily play, daily's place over. One, Jungle Boy. Two, Fuego Del Sol. Now, most of you probably don't even know who he is. Well, I guess if you listen to the show, you watch Dark and Dark Elevation. He is a match wrestler that has never won a match. And there is this campaign to get him signed. And he's on the Sammy blog, and he's doing this competition where I don't feel like Cody wants him to win, and, <laughs> and Sammy's uh, he's in last place, and yeah, so it's just he's this underdog story. I mean, honestly, I know probably you know he had his stuff, you know, uh, but the comparison I have is James Ellsworth. Hmm. how over James Ellsworth, remember how over James Ellsworth was at first before he got with Carmella 
two hand you get you know any man with two hands had a chance and he would get these loud pops even though he never won well yeah, i guess it was pretty loud yeah yeah well fuego is that times like 10 you would think fuego was cody honestly <laughs> well, the way they pop so yeah that show was amazing the way in i i know some people at home said it kind of stunk which that's going to get me into another conversation later in this episode about uh, my love for one person and everyone's hate for him. Uh, but uh, <laughs> now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, a go-go in person, even more, like, like astonishing how someone, he's definitely an Olympian, just put it that way. You know, it's like, the dude is just like, it seems like he was chiseled. He seemed like he was made you know, not born, but made. <laughs> so he's one of those people, and he was put together. And the fact that I think Cody was, like, within one pound of him, I was like, okay, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess. No, but that was pretty cool. But the show in general was great. We got out really, really, really late. So that gave us a late start. Uh, I will tell you, the city of Jacksonville, if anybody from the city of Jacksonville you need food places that stay open past midnight. Yeah, it might have been COVID because of why places close so early, but at the same time, yeah, that should have been the case. You need places that need stay open. We can't go get anything. So we basically, what did we get? We went and got crystals. And yeah, Tiffany loved it. I, you know, crystal burgers, I had had them before. They're like, they're pretty, pretty much the competition to White Castle. Uh, in the south, so we went and got that, ate that, and we got a good nap because we had to be up again the next day for the fan fest, 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 fest. <laughs> so we get up next day, have breakfast. Now, if any of you are friends with me on Facebook, you would have saw I posted a breakfast and I said breakfast with the stinger. So this was trying to get person people to ask. Oh, you had breakfast with Sting, so I could actually clarify, because it was a joke. <laughs> but no, most people thought I actually had breakfast with Sting. So me and Tiffany were sitting at a table, and we were we had just gotten our breakfast buffet. And I look up, and there's this guy with a hat and a mask on, obviously not being trying not to be able to be told. But I've been looking at this man's face for 30 years, and I'm like, that Sting. Even worse is his wife didn't have a mask on, so it looked even more obvious. You know what I mean? It's like, he's with his wife. She doesn't have a mask on. He has a mask and a hat on. So it's like, you're obviously trying to hide your identity. I was like, Tiffany, is that Sting? She's like, that is Sting. So we're eating breakfast, and then Sting is in about five tables over, and he's eating breakfast. So technically, what did I have? Breakfast with Sting. I had breakfast with Sting. No, but we left him alone. I didn't bother him or anything. It would have been it would have been cool, but I am one of those people that I I will go up to a wrestler in public. I have no problem doing that. But if someone is going through the effort to clearly try to quote unquote disguise himself, you know, from seeing it, that means he doesn't want to be bothered. So you know what I did? I didn't bother him. I was like, <laughs> it's like it's the worst disguise ever. But he was obviously trying not to be seen. So right. yeah, so I left him alone. We had our breakfast. 
Uh, we had to go pick up some stuff, clear bags, that kind of crap. Uh, for, for the show, we get down for the uh, fan fest. Of course, wait in line, get through. Uh, so we get in line and for the fan fest, and you don't understand. The idea that you had to pay a separate price other than the fan fest to meet certain wrestlers was the most confusing idea in the world for some people. Apparently, people have not been to as many conventions as me and you. Uh, well, it's like you don't pay, you pay to get in, but then you also got to pay to meet the people. Yes. Cause that the, was confusing? I guess. Because there, there were six lines. There were three. Uh, the first three lines were the people that you pay for. The second three lines were the free people. Then they had the, all the setup. They had Tony Schiavone. He was meeting people for free signing his book. They had the section where you could uh, stand inside a box and take a picture like you're one of the figures. Then they had all the figures on display. And, you know, they had the AEW sign. They had a bunch of Brody memorabilia and different memorabilia from things. It was great. You know, you got to see a lot of stuff. Or you could just go to the other area in the ring and just watch matches. There's just they were just putting on matches. So you had a lot to do. So you got a lot for your 30 bucks that uh, that you got in there, but if you wanted the extras like to meet the headliners, you had to pay a little more. So I bought a ticket to see Cody. So of course me and Tiffany uh spent the 70 bucks to see Cody and we stood in line and we talked to a lot of people, met a lot of folks. Uh, met a lot of folks. Hung out with uh Dustin Rhodes' daughter, uh Dakota. Oh. She was in line, uh, taking pictures, and yeah, she chatted with us quite a bit. Uh, you know, everyone's coming up to Tiffany, and that's what I was gonna get into. I've said this before on the show: going to an AEW an event with Tiffany is like going with someone on the staff. Yeah, I would think that like. I mean, like, I, I was around you guys at StarCast 2 and stuff like that. I didn't see tons of interactions, but I assumed that, like, uh, like especially as AEW was going along, I was like, she must just get, like, like a bunch of people coming up to her. Like, now, a, Charlie, yeah. Charlie from, uh, he's on B, he was the BT champion, he was on Sammy's blog, came oh. up to her, uh, uh, of course, Dakota. Uh, like literally wrestlers were like excited that she was meeting them, you know, that, that they got to meet her. Everyone knew head of security knew who she was. Everyone knows who Tiffany is. Tiffany is like a name, you know, and she doesn't act like it. She like, I've been around Tiffany for a couple years now. We talk daily. She has literally never asked for anything like a special seat a person in line, anything. Oh, never did. Everyone comes up to her though. It's like it, it was like being with a celebrity, like fans in line asking to take pictures with Tiffany. Oh, I know you from online. Oh, I know you from online. It was, it's, uh, it's something I'll never get used to, because when I'm at shows, it's like, like it's funny because you know she hasn't been around in years, so they really missed her, right? I've oh, literally yeah. been to every pay-per-view in Jacksonville. And they're like... And no one's well, calling no, for me. What no, the fuck? No. Like, no one even notices that I was there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've been there. <laughs> it's like, I was there. And it's like, no. It, and I don't care. Because I don't want to be 
that. And I'm not saying I could, but it's not something I desire to be because it does come with it. It's like if she wants to chill and stuff, people are around her and saying it. So we get up to Cody. We get up to Cody in line. She brings her Cody rare figure, and he signs it, and he signs it like he signs like a detailed message I think she put up, and he calls her the heart of the elite, the original Tiffany, as in like she is the original Cody fan, you know, that kind of thing. She was AEW before AEW was even a thought in Tony Khan's mind, you know, and so uh, they he comes around from the glass because they, they had glass, uh, little panels and takes a picture with her and gives her a hug, right? So I'm next in line. So I'm like, oh, I'm getting Cody. I'm going to get a picture with Cody on the other side of the glass. Nope. Dude went right back. Right? He went right behind that panel. <laughs> You're not Tiffany. They, I mean, that's basically what he said. <laughs> well, I, I, I saw, or at least I, I saw on her Twitter that she had, because like, I saw the pictures of people who were meeting people that had the, the glass uh, little barricade, which I get, but at the same time, it's still Florida, so like I get they're trying to at least be as safe as possible, even though we're getting closer and closer to being done and out of this. But regardless, I still found it pretty funny. But that that alone is fucking like gets out of the way. Meets meets Tiffany up close and first note. Then you no, know, sir, you gotta you gotta take a picture while I'm behind this glass wall. Yes, it it was hilarious. Uh, I, I mean, Tiffany's Tiffany. It, I mean, it, nothing said it there. And it was like, we were sitting there talking to Cody and you know, what's the first question is you taking care of our girl? <laughs> Cause he knows I'm always with Tiffany. I'm the guy with Tiffany. Cause he even said, he's like, y'all are always together. And I'm like, you know, that's pretty much it. And he's like, you taking care of Tiffany? And I was like, well, yeah, of course. I'm like, Nobody wants none of this. Cause you know, I'm a pretty big dude. <laughs> hey, y'all don't gotta know. I don't know how to fight. Which I don't know if I know how to fight. I haven't gotten a fight since I was fourteen, so whatever. <laughs> so, so I was there. It, it was funny. Like I said, it was just a funny interaction. He uh, signs my stuff, and we go, and we pretty much immediately jump in the line for the young bucks because the free lines were out of control. The free lines were like they they were out of control. So we jump in the line for the Young Bucks, of course. It's like, oh, man, we haven't seen you in a while. Like, talking to Tiffany like she's their best friend. And, you know, me, hey, what's up? <laughs> sign the fifth, sign the, sign the, you sound a little passive-aggressive right now, Floyd. I should. I, I, I honestly want y'all to know this because really what I'm trying to do is paint a picture. Just imagine this. You're with the person, right? She gets this like big warm reaction. You get like, sup? Nah, <laughs> dude. And you've been at every event with her. They have There's not a single they, event that she has gone to, at least in AEW, that you, you have been to. Yes. Nope. I'm. Nope. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm hoping I'm painting the picture for you. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get <laughs> Tiffany to give you a little bit of like, <laughs> I don't know what juju or whatnot. Like, no, like she got. And you know what's so funny? She talks me up. She says Floyd like they know my name, right? And she talks me up. I, I'm sitting there. I've seen her do it. They just immediately forget me as soon as I walk away. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I will say I get the same sort of thing with Sydney too, honestly. It's because like when me and Sydney go to events, like, like Sydney is very recognizable and I think it's truly just because, like, female fa- wrestling fans are a lot, like, 
lesser known and like less well like less prominent. So like when she meets the young bucks, they remember her, and then I'm remembered as the brother. And like yeah. I, I get what you mean. I totally get what you mean. No, I almost came back and turned uh turned if it wasn't for my birthday coming up and me doing my countdown, I was gonna change my Twitter to that guy with Tiffany. Because that's you basically turn, you just turn around. You just turn around as you're leaving. Mm. My name is <laughs> No, but I'm that guy with Tiffany, and it's kind of cool. Like The Young Bucks were awesome. They had on their suit. They were trying to – Matt was trying to heal it up. Nick just dropped the whole thing. It was super nice. He was just hey. – Yeah, he was super nice. And, uh, like, all the wrestlers – all the wrestlers from the Nightmare Factory that trained with Cody were waving and saying hi to Tiffany. That's awesome. Like – they know her, and it's just like that's how more of a presence that she is in the group. Uh, so we went to that one. Then we did um, the third sessions. We did the Varsity Blondes, and then we did Will Hobbs, which Tiffany was like had never you know met Will Hobbs or whatever. Didn't even know what to say to him. We get up there to it, and he's like, "Hey, Tiffany!" Like they'd known each other for twenty years. It was hilarious. <laughs> and she was even shocked. She's like, he doesn't know me. You're like, what? what's going on? So I was like, apparently everybody in AEW knows you. I got a picture. Impact. Yeah, I got a picture of Alex Abrahantes. I That made my weekend. I because bet. Penta says I fucking love it. And I just got to tell him how awesome I thought he was. I talk a lot, so he didn't get to say much. But it was really... Uh, <laughs> I was just really cool to see him, and then, you know, she had to do her rounds and get pictures with other people that were there, and that was that was fan fest. We didn't go into the press conference and weigh in. We didn't figure a lot was going to happen, so we just kind of uh, we wanted uh, we wanted we had uh, made reservations to have Brazilian steakhouse, so we went to this place called uh, Fogo de Chao. Yeah, Fogo de Chao. Yeah, went there. I had never been to a Brazilian steakhouse. Now, let me tell you, meat, meat, and more meat. <laughs> they should just call it, they call it a Brazilian steakhouse. They should just call it a meat buffet uh, because you flip this little card from red to green and people just stop with you and you know, stop around you with assorted meats and chicken and pork and you could pick it with the side you want. We got so freaking stuff there. So you flip, you flip it like red and green, like uh, like Bubba Gums, where it's like run for us, run, stop for us, stop to get people, your your waiter to come over to you. Yes, and yeah, for a while we just left it on green, and whatever came, we were like, yep, we want some of that. All right. So you got stupid, stupid, stupid full. I'm like in pain full <laughs> to uh for lack of a better term, you were like in pain. And so that was like one of the best experiences I had. And then the next day that gets us to the next day, we go to the beach in the morning. We go to Neptune beach in Jacksonville. It's about a mile away from Jacksonville beach. We chill out there, uh, get us some sun, play in the water a little bit. It actually Tiffany's first time at the beach since she was like five. So that was crazy. Uh, and me, it was, you know, I had been a couple times when I had been to Jacksonville. So we left there, picked up my boy Dave from the airport, came back to the hotel. And honestly, you can just fast forward to this point. 
we are going to talk about uh, talk about uh, <laughs> double or nothing. I, and that's how I was when I, I am not an outdoors person. I I am very anti outdoors. I think outdoors sucks. Uh, so I know that's so weird to some of you people out there. But I think I, I'm not an outside person. So I sit out on the beach, but I am a beach guy. Did you see my Twitter post about that? I did see it. Yeah. I hate outside, but I love the beach. And I know the beach is outside, and it's just, to me, when you're right there by the water, sitting in a chair, laying on the towel, the breeze is coming in, uh, the breeze is coming in, it's a whole different experience from being normally outside. Yeah, especially if you can get, like, an area that's, like, not completely crowded with people. Like, when we were in Myrtle Beach, like, back in 2020, like, back in November or October, like, you just, you want to find an area where it's, like, you get a good amount of space where, like, you're not, like, around a ton of people. You just get close enough to the waves where you can hear them crashing against the, against the, against the sand. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's the shit. It's so good. It really is, and it wasn't. You think Memorial Day weekend is going to be crowded? It wasn't busy. I saw like you had like so much space. I'm like, it's like Memorial Day weekend's like is, yeah. now. Like so, where are the people? We were out there like four hours. We got enough. We were like like I said, picked up my friend, picked that hotel, and that sun hit me like a rock. I was out for the next three hours. Yeah. yeah so I because you know you're talking to somebody that's not used to doing this, and that sun just. Drained me, and I took a good old nap, and we got ready for we got uh, ready for double nothing. Drove to the arena. Tiffany went to her heels event, and she did her thing there. Uh, boy Salvador from uh, Pro uh, Pro Wrestling Tees VIP. He said, "Come on up in the line with us." So we were like right in front, and yeah, that pretty much gets the show, except for the fact. Man, they were leaving money on the table. No Cody shirts. What the hell? Like the new shirts last week, you feel you would have been at the event. They were not at the event. Uh, but I did get you my... had the event shirts with the Agogo versus Cody shirts? They didn't even have that. Really? You had to order that. No, they just had the event shirt. You could get the one with the people on it. Or you could get the regular Double or Nothing shirt. And it said I was there. You know, so... You could get one of those shirts, and like they had the autograph poster, where it literally had like everybody on the poster sign it. So I have my first <coughs> ever Anthony Agogo autograph. Way to go! Because he signed that. Then they had an event turnbuckle pad, where I guess everybody signed the turnbuckle pad. Now I think that was the whole roster because it was seven hundred dollars. Oh my! Oh. Okay, so I tell you that. So they had event posters. Uh, all sorts of stuff, cards, figures, everything, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I go to the event. My friend's like messages me and says, uh, messages me and says, hey, can you bring me something back? Because it's a Go-Go's first event. He's kind of a big deal over here. Bring me something back from the show. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go get you a poster. This is like 45 minutes later. Uh, no, probably an hour, hour and 45 minutes later. Sold out. Not just that, the whole section was sold out. Like, pins. I think they had AEW beach towels. I think that was left. It was just like, everything was gone. I, I'm going to go in and a message. Like, dude, I ran over there to get it, and it's gone. And I was like, dude, yeah, I felt bad. But it was like, 
AEW definitely undersold how uh, under you know didn't think how much they would sell because they sold everything. <laughs> so yeah, so at this point, had a great time. We can start the Peace Daily Resistance, the main event. The reason people actually flew out there, double or nothing. Absolutely, I will give my shout out to because I don't believe I've done it a ton on the show, but I will give my shout outs to the heart of the elite, uh, Tiffany for sure. Um, I've had. I've I've met her, of course, with like hanging out with Floyd and stuff like that. I've had very little conversations with her, though, mainly just because like I feel like talking just specifically about how big of a like of a presence she is in AEW is like like I feel like everyone comes up to her and talks to her about that. So I don't want to really bog her down with that kind of shit. But if if anything, like she seems like the most genuine person, genuine fan. And I will 100 percent say I don't think anybody else should deserve this like if if anyone was to get this she is the most deserving of the the love and the reception she gets from the wrestlers and the talent and even from other fans of AEW i think she like she is a genuine human being and i think it's really great that she gets that cool feedback unless people are assholes in which case stop it don't be assholes to cool people don't be assholes to my friends friends she deserves it uh she deserves everything she gets as far as the good stuff the bad stuff is, I, I always say, just based on jealousy. And <laughs> I don't even understand it, really, why anyone would be jealous of somebody that's just a fan. You know, I can honestly say if she was getting, like, front row tickets, I'd, you know, to every show or something, I would, you know, I <laughs> I would understand it maybe a little. Not Still not. Because I've never, I've been to hundreds of wrestling shows. I've never looked at someone in the first row and got mad at them for being in the first row. I'm happy that they get to experience it. You know what I mean? Like, that's awesome. I've never gotten mad at it. And it's just like the the hate and the vitriol that she gets on a daily basis just for being a fan. Just for being a mark as we as it is used as a negative term for someone but i carry it with pride i do mark shit dude i'm the one that stands in line for eight hours to talk to somebody for 45 seconds i don't care what and i'm not gonna feel bad about it you know and it's just like but some people like they take it personally that some people you know get more access or people know them or whatever and it's just like ah, i don't think it's something to really I think there's other things in the world to be mad about. Just put it Absolutely. that way. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like some other stuff in the world that you can focus your anger on than that. Yeah. Simply, simply, you want to you want to be in that position? Be as hardcore of a fan as Tiffany was. She was with Cody like back in WWE when like no one was paying attention. So like, it, it's, like it's like you can't. <laughs> it's like yeah, you you can't. Yes, you 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 can't because it's like. She just happened to be the follow the guy and be dedicated to the guy that helped, you know, start AEW. You know what I mean? That, you know, had a hand in it. It's like it's it was luck. She was all about Cody, you know, and then he went and did his thing. And it's like it's almost like you can't do what she did because it wasn't on purpose. 
<laughs> it was 100% genuine. Yeah, 100% genuine. yeah. It wasn't like she didn't do this. It's like, like I said, when Tony Khan comes up to her and says, oh, you're Tiffany from Twitter and gets a picture with her, you're like, that's a thing that happens to her that's not going to happen to me. <laughs> you know, because it's just. No, I would like it to. Yeah. No, I mean, we're different. We, we live different lives. Me, it's to me, I am in awe of her. It is. It's really not a jealousy thing. It is. No, sure. You're, she's like one of my closest friends, one of the best people I've ever met. I am in awe of her and everything. It has nothing to do with uh, like, oh, I wish I was doing that. It's just like I said, I, a lot of times I'll say it so people can understand that I'm there all the time. But they know her. She is family. I'm just kind of hanging with family. But she is family. <laughs> You know, they kind of thing. You're her plus one. I, absolutely. I am her sidekick. I am her bodyguard. I am her pharaoh, if you want to go down that role. <laughs> <laughs> I am her mascot. I am the reason. I, you know, she didn't get bothered. She, yeah, she didn't get bothered a lot in events, like in a negative way. Because, yeah, there's giant guy there. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> That, that helps. That definitely helps. But regardless, though, uh, with all of our praise for our lovely friend Tiffany, um, we should get into the actual Double or Nothing show, go through the card, and talk about everything that took place. Uh, first off, we opened up, I guess you would call this the buy-in match, since this was the one match that took place before the show officially started. It was the NWA Women's World title match between the current champion Serena Deeb and, I suppose, returning Riho, I would say, which was a great way to get the crowd fired up. Of course, fans are still all behind Riho. Like the pop she got was huge and of course the 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 con- the continuing theme going through I think most of this show is that like the 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 full crowd I think truly made this show. They were a character. Special. The the crowd was a character in this show. It was 100% a character in the show and it spoke loudly. For the people that they loved, people that they didn't love. So, this opening match between Serena Deeb and Riho for the NWA Women's title was a great little prelude to the show, I would say. These two girls ripped it up. I mean, I'm so glad to see Serena Deeb do well with the NWA Women's title. I've loved her since she was in Straight Edge Society. I think she's great. Riho, I'm so happy she's doing stuff with AEW still. I'm curious to see, like, when things get fully back to normal exactly, how much more of a role she'll play in AEW, considering she was their first women's champion, and, like, what kind of future storylines they could put her in um, if she continues to be a part of the brand. Um, Regardless, though, this match was solid. Fans were 100% behind it. I loved the kind of vicious streak that Serena did, especially the finish where she just takes her leg her leg and then just like she just slammed it again and again and again into the rope i mean into the into the canvas and then eventually was able to get rio to tap with her submission um like love that and i love the fact that she really wasn't a heel per se no, she just got vicious she was just a gr- aggressive champion uh but some information i can add about rio if for all the people that uh might check her uh, uh twitter you see, Rio has moved stateside. She is permanently in the United States, 
well, temporarily, permanently, I don't know. But I know she has moved to the United States. She actually started a fan club so she could uh, keep up with her people in Japan because now she will be based out of America. If that's not a good sign for fans that want to see more of Riho and AEW, I don't know what is because yeah. being in the States, being able to record and be in Dynamite and do matches uh, in the States, I think is a good sign to see Riho continuing to do stuff with AEW. So that should be good for Riho fans. Yes, but the match, uh, amazing match. I think this was, to me, the best NWA match in AEW that I've seen. But just because they gave Rio like Rio hit all her stuff. They even went back, to, uh, they even went back to the move that she beat Serena with during the first round of the women's eliminated tournament where she hits the, uh, the O'Connor roll and then does the bridge and then holds her hand. And, you know, and then, so you're thinking she's going to beat her the same way. And there you go. Serena, uh, you know, gets out of it and then that sets her off. And then she's like beating her knee against the ground and then puts that deep half uh, crab on. And Rio has no choice, but to tap out. Yeah, it was a great match for the buy-in. Um, I think it gives you a lot of, Exciting things to look forward to when it comes to Riho continuing to do stuff in AEW. And, of course, Serena Deeb as well. And more, and hopefully more interactions with the NWA and such. But moving on to the start of the official show. The opening match was the Machine Brian Cage versus Hangman Adam Page in their little rematch. As Brian Cage and Hangman were facing off after Brian got the surprise win on Dynamite. Hangman was basically looking to get his win back and kind of climb back up in the rankings. My God, dude, Hangman, the pop for Hangman, dude, this guy, he is just so over. It's it's straight cowboy shit. It's straight cowboy shit. And speaking as somebody who was there at All Out, I mean, not not All Out, but All In when he was at Double or Nothing and like um, like those beginning shows of AEW's like infancy, like – the support was there because he was a member of the elite, but there was always kind of like the the hayance of like, I don't know, like the idea of putting him as their workhorse, as their like backbone of the elite, backbone of AEW. Fans didn't really know exactly where to go with it. And then his team with Kenny Omega and then just him being a, a drunken piece of shit that loves to fight people and just comes down and beats the hell out of people. People just... Man, I wonder where they got that from. Regardless. Oh, hell yeah. But regardless, fans love the hell out of him. Hangman's so good, and he got a great response. This match was really strong, I think. I did uh, see, enjoyed like the little uh, story element of Hook and Ricky Starks coming to try to help out Brian Cage, and they were, he was just like, he just didn't want to deal with it. He was like, no, I got this. You two piss off since Brian Cage is very much kind of trying to distance himself from his from his fellow team Taz partners. Uh, that ends up costing him, and Brian Cage ends up losing the match to Hangman Adam Page from the Buckshot Lariat. And yeah, because he just wasn't going to hit the the FTW title into his head. Um, nice little fun way for Hangman to get his win back. Continues the story of possibly seeing the fall of team taz or just brian cage removing himself from the team and just going off to do his own thing this was a strong opener i think just because hangman's a perfect way to get the crowd hyped for the beginning of the show that just makes all the sense in the world to me 
yeah, it was uh, pretty amazing. Uh, the match was like straight 10 minutes of action. They were just going and going and going. Brian Cage tries to hit the uh, buckshot lariat. I thought that was really cool. That was awesome. Too, uh, yeah. He hits him with the F5 off the second rope. You know, uh, Hangman kicks out of that. Uh, I I think uh, Hangman hits him with an F5. You know, and then Brian Cage actually kicks out at one. I believe that was the spot where he kicked out at one. Uh, it was just back and forth. He hit him with that big power bomb that he had been laying people out with. Hangman kicked out of that. And then, of course, Hook and Ricky Starks had to come out and, you know, distract him and got the buckshot lariat. I just love this side of Brian Cage. It's like he didn't care about jumping Hangman. He was very okay with some heel tactics. But when it came down to when the bell rang, he just wanted to prove that he could beat the hangman. And he never got that chance. Even in this match, he got distracted, and that cost him the match. And after the match, he was mad at Ricky and Hook, and it was just like, dude, I just asked y'all one time to stay in the back. Just once. It's like, I just like, I wasn't trying to leave Tip Taz. I just wanted to prove that I could beat him on my own. And you couldn't do that. Ricky Starks is pointing at his neck like, I got a broken neck. I love the fact that, you know, it's still there. He's like, I got a broken neck. And then he pushes Hook. Now, I was surprised Taz didn't come out there and choke him out, but you don't push Hook. Hook's the son of Taz. No, no, you don't do that. But yeah, it was a great opener. I was like, you should open with a Casino Battle Royal. No, that was a way better opener than I could think of. I was completely wrong in that thinking. Yeah, I mean, when all, all in all, just you want to get the crowd hyped at the beginning of the show, put the hangman out there. That's really uh, what you got to do. We move on to the AEW World Tag Team title match between champions Young Bucks, accompanied, of course, by bitch boy Don Callis, versus... Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Yeah, this was just such a strong match. Just spot after spot after spot. I mean, if anything out of this, this was when the fans could fully show their support for Eddie Kingston. Because Eddie, I believe he did debut during the pandemic, right? If I'm not mistaken, on Dynamite. He was he did not debut yeah, while he, fans were in attendance. He debuted with Cody on our pandemic match. Uh yes. he open answered the open challenge. Now about this beginning of this match, wild thing. So over. I mean, literally This version. I think this version of Wild Thing is as opposed to the original version, I think. This this version, like the 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 more rock version fits so much better to them than the other than the original song. I, I call this the major league version. Uh, I don't know how many people have seen the major league movie, but uh, that's what it reminded me of. It felt for that moment. I actually ran to get the event poster and I kind of caught the edge of it. But everybody standing up singing it was like and from when I watched it back on the show, it was like being inside of the movie Major League and <laughs> Ryan Wild Thing, Ricky Vaughn was coming out the pitch. And most importantly, I have to give a shout out to my man. Everyone knows how much I love me some Eddie Kingston. My boy Eddie Kingston comes out with a bad news bears jersey. Let's go. Chico's bell bombs on the back. I was I marked the fuck out for that. Oh my god, you don't understand. When I was young, Bad News Bears was my movie. All of them. 
you know, back in training, Bad News Bears in Tokyo. I just love the Bad News Bears. It was like I played minor league baseball when I was young because I wanted to be like the Bad News Bears. That is how serious my infatuation and love for that movie is. And so the fact that he comes out, because they're their own version of the Bad News Bears. They're, you know, they're just kind of thrown together and like, Led, let's always see if we can win the championship. And, oh, my God, I marked out for that so hard. Uh, so hard. I, I, I came home and started looking for the jersey online. You can take your apology and your trophy and shove it right up your ass. Yes, love the Bad News Bears. Like, I knew that movie at one point in my life. I'm, I'm old now, so I don't anymore. But at one point in my life, I knew that movie word for word. That's me with Rocky. That's me with Rocky. But regardless, back to my point, though, like Eddie Kingston debuting during pandemic times in AEW, this I feel like was probably the first full moment where fans could, like, audibly show their support for Eddie Kingston and by God, at least in AEW, by God did they show it to him because, dude, he was getting chants all through this match. His hot tag in to go after the Bucks and when he's just chopping the hell out of Matt or Nick, whoever the hell's in the corner that he's chopping after, they are so in love with Eddie Kingston, man. It's like John Moxley, of course, that's that's a, that's a given because it's John Moxley. The man is just probably in AEW one of the goats but still Eddie Kingston got such a great response it truly made me happy to see this match was incredible like these guys did so so well Matt's running around being a jackass doing like just fucking getting over to the corner and pretending to hot tag himself in for for the other team and getting it hyped and like doing like air humps in the air which I love that uh Mrs. Massey uh, tweeted, my husband's gone insane <laughs> after the show. It just that made me smile. But like they, they did so well in this match. The fucking uh, indie taker on the ramp was so good. It's just, it was, it was so strong. And regardless, it was still not time. I think for the Bucks to lose the match. Uh, just BTE trigger over and over and over again on John Moxley to get the win, and despite the fact that I think people would have been so for AEW no. Tag Team Champion no. uh, Eddie Kingston and uh, John Moxley, which I, I think we may get in the future. Yeah, I was absolutely against it all the way. I was like one person in my section actually cheering the Young Bucks, and if of you course. if you checked the Twitter. Uh, from all things leak right after the match, I was like, thank you, Young Bucks, for defending tag team wrestling. There you go. Uh, real tag, hashtag real tag team. Real tag regardless, team. though, the Young Bucks are still red hot with their heel run. And I think, wow, just, there's just no stopping them, at least right now. At least not, not with... Not for a little while, I think. But this match was so good. Like, so many great spots in this match. Every single person was over in their way, especially Eddie Kingston. It's really great, really great tag team match. AEW never disappoints with their tag team championship matches. Yes, they did not. This match was amazing. I think uh, Mox and Kingston are a great tag team. And if there had to be any thrown together tag team to be champions, you know what? Why not? Why not uh, Mox and Kingston? But no, I didn't want it. I didn't want it. I'm glad the Bucks won. 
Uh, man, it's gonna be, it's gonna it's building to a moment. Whoever beats the Bucks, if they're not already over, they're gonna be super over. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. If they're not already over, they're going to be super over. It's just it's it, just the case. Yeah, because they're just kind of built as unbeatable because not only are they the best tag team in the world, they will also cheat to win. <laughs> so it's like, And they have Don Callis. Yeah, they have Don Callis. So it's like so hard to beat someone that will do anything. Yeah, it's really the case. After this was the Casino Battle Royal with... Paul White as special guest commentator. Winner of this match, of course, wins a future world title match. Uh, the first group of entrants, Christian Cage, Matt Seidel, Powerhouse Hobbs, The Natural Dustin Rhodes, and Max Cassiter. Also, whoever does the uh, recaps on AEW.com, uh, Matt Seidel's missing his L in the first group of entrants line, so fix that shit, you botched. I noticed it. <laughs> All jokes. But I got his comment on Max Cassiter's opening, uh, opening rap because fans... Fans are behind Max Caster, from what I could tell, and honestly, pretty crazy to see just the 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 really good response he got. Bars gave out bars, straight bars, not yeah. holding back at all. And I would just like to point out, and I think Matt Caster, Max Caster pointed it out on his. He went at everybody in the ring. Didn't leave anybody out in the except entrance. except Willie Hobbs. He knew better. Yo, he knew. He knew. He, he knew better. Uh, Oakland's most violent, as once called by Moxley. He left Powerhouse Hobbs alone. He went after Dustin. You know, (laughs) he went after all. He went after everybody in the ring. Will Hobbs just skipped right over. Let's not talk about that. Yes. Um, The next group of entrants is Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy, Preston Vance, Nick Camarado, and Serpentico, who um, I was... Glad to see he got a decent response. I will say it was kind of confusing to me because it was hard to tell if Isaiah Cassidy was actually wrestling or if he was just helping out Matt Hardy at the beginning because he wasn't in like his normal ring gear. Eventually, we were like, oh, yeah, he's in the match because, of course, uh, his partner, uh, Mark Quinn, would come out later in the, in, the, in the match. But at the beginning, it kind of was hard to tell if he was actually wrestling or not or if he was just uh, mess- messing with them. Um this um, also led to the incredible pop that uh, Brian Pillman Jr. got when he came out with Griff Garrison, Colt Cabana, Anthony Bowens, and Penta in the next entrance. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. has been getting like hit, like back because he was on Dynamite, was he not? Uh, the week before, uh, the Friday before. I believe so. Yes. Yes, because he was getting great responses in that in that too because like it's that dark side of the ring. Uh, episode really just like yeah put a lot of lot of uh, eyes on brian pillman jr and fans have really embraced him for that episode and just his dad and everything so i think it's really it considering how it's like an interesting way for for a wrestler to get over i'm still glad that he's over and that fans are supporting him um but we'll just get through and uh talk about uh the joker for the match that I don't think anybody predicted. Nobody I, had this predicted. I probably listened to as many podcasts as anyone I know about wrestling because it's the only really kind of podcast I listen to is wrestling podcasts. I did not hear one person predict it as uh, Leo Rush. The name I heard, I heard a lot of people say Paul White. So I, when he came out, believe me, I was sleuthing. I was looking. 
I was like, so he was in a suit and he was wearing regular shoes. I was seeing if he was wearing wrestling boots, maybe wearing a tearaway suit or something like that. And I was like, well, it's not Paul White. And I didn't, like, when you're in line, you usually hear people like, well, I saw someone at the hotel or I saw someone at uh, this. Didn't hear anything about this. Now, Leo Rush, to his credit, took it to a different level. He had a show in Rhode Island on Friday. He had a show in Texas on Saturday, right? He he then posted a message on Sunday saying Friday and Saturday was a long weekend. It feels good to be home. And it was a picture with him and his daughter. So if you were on the scent, he completely threw you off of it. And then... I love wrestling. I love that about wrestling. It's so like, good to get, throw fans for a loop on God, that. God, I just love it. So I love wrestling so much because it's just such a thing. It's like, you know, any other form of entertainment, you don't have to do that. But he just throws that post up there. And then it's Leo Rush. And they, we pop. You, we pop. It was a nice pop. It was a good pop. But it was just like, unfortunately... When AEW does these surprises and let you know a surprise, people's minds run wild. It's like oh, in yeah. a, it's Daniel Bryan. I I was stuck Steve on in there. I was stuck on Andrade. It was like all these names. As much as Andrade and Kenny Omega were, you know, the match for AAA, and it didn't make any sense. I was like, it's gonna be Andrade. Cause but no, it went with Leo Rush, and I thought it was a solid Joker. If I hadn't built up my expectations anyway, you know, it would have been he would have been perfectly fine. So it's something we're gonna have to turn tame our expectations on going forward. Because I believe was the Joker met. It was um, was it uh Brian Cage last year, or, or, or was it Brian Cage the first year? Oh God! I gotta have to. I no, look no. Up. The joke of the first year was Hangman. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. The uh, joke yeah, of the first yeah. year was was Hangman for sure. So Matt, uh, I think it was Brian Cage last year, and then he won. He uh, then he won it, and it was just like it was Leo Rush. You kind of knew when Leo when it was Leo Rush, he wasn't gonna win it. But what they ended up doing, oh my God, blew the roof off the place. Yeah, no, and I I still popped when it was Leo because I like I said had no expectations to see Leo Rush there. He came out, he did such like great athleticism and he did great great athletic moves and just flew across the ring. I saw him uh, at WrestleMania 34 Access uh, in a match against uh, Buddy Murphy, and they fucking did so well in that match. Just him flying all over the place and Murphy just nailing him with knee strikes. They, Leo's great. I will mention, however, uh, he did a bunch of cool moves but didn't eliminate a single person and then got eliminated. So it's great spots. You didn't do much in the match. But regardless, we'll see if uh, Leo continues to do stuff with AEW down the line. The final three ended up being Jungle Boy, Christian Cage, and Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy tries to, like, hey, WWE guys against this nobody. Let's, let's get him, Christian. Did not uh, end up working out. Christian would then throw Matt Hardy over the top rope. Final two, Christian Cage and Jungle Boy. And of course, Christian Cage was everyone's like instant mind was, okay, it's going to be Christian Cage probably to win the whole thing. When it got down to the final two between Jungle Boy and Christian, the fans were no question about it. Jungle Boy all the way. And 
the closer and closer it was looking like uh, Christian was going to win, they were like, nah, nah, fuck Christian. Nah, not, it not, has not, to be Jungle Boy. Not, it not, cannot be anybody else. Not in Daly's place, brother. Not in Daly's place. That was Chicago. It might have been 50-50. I heard booze. I heard yeah. booze. No, that's what I'm saying. In Chicago, it might have been 50-50. In Toronto... It might have been, you know, mostly Christian. But in Daly's place in Florida, it was Jungle Boy. It was all Jungle Boy. Boy. And they started doing the song without the music. Uh, You know, you you, you know the tune. And they were waving. And I was like, I, I, I stopped watching the match and started watching the crowd. Like, yeah. I was in awe of this moment. Because I, this was his coming. This was like... No, it wasn't his coming out party. It was his arrived party. Jungle, because that's the thing. I was like, I know fans were still one hundred percent behind Jungle Boy, but this was like the fi- This was the absolute moment where I think he got to see how far he's come. Like this was this was his re- reciprocation for all the hard work and all the great moments yeah, that he's boy. given AEW. Because he was over. No yeah. question about like, it. Like he can't he can't lose a lot going forward. He is he is made. He is a made man right now, and it's like he got made on at, at fucking double or nothing. He is a made man, and it's just like if you go anywhere other than like pushing him to the moon. I'm not saying he has to be world champion. I'm not stupid. I'm saying you have to make him. You have to push him hard and protect and protect him going forward. It just yeah. can't be. He can't just lose on a regular basis. It has before, to be a big match. Because before it was like, oh, uh, Jurassic Express is over. I mean, they still are, but no, it's it's specifically Jungle Boy. Like I love Luchasaurus. I love Marco. It, the fans are they want they want uh, Jungle Boy right now. So you got to run with that. Um, Christian after. Um, Despite the fact that like the idea was it was still going to be Christian who won, Jungle Boy got the win, which produced the mega pop, and Christian then came into the ring. Great, great little interaction between him and Jungle Boy, just being like, you take this and you fucking run with it. This is your moment, and they just hugged it out in the ring. Christian left the ring for Jurassic Express to celebrate. Um, wow. Such a good moment, honestly. Like, and, like Probably the best Casino Battle Royal that I think AEW's had with Double or Nothing in the three years that it's been around. Just because this little, this, the final two brought so much emotion out of the crowd that they just, it was, it had to be Jungle Boy. It had to be. And they gave it to him. The elation was there. Christian's handing it off to Jungle Boy being like, you go with this man. You, you take this, you make this moment yours, and you just keep on riding this wave you got. So good. I w- I would I would argue to say this was their best battle royal. Uh, I man, with at least the, a double or nothing with the ending and everything that happened. I can't go anywhere else, and it looks like it set up some storylines going forward. And like I said, the Jungle Boy thing. To a personally, I know what's next, and I'm not even using it as an excuse. But it is uh, that emotional of a moment where. You know, he's in the middle of the ring. Uh, Luchasaurus and Marco come out, and then we're still doing the chant. Then we get a You Deserve It chant. And yeah, then while he's we're go- on the commentators. While yeah. we're on the commentators. Yes. You do deserve it chant. Uh, and he, he and he's going out. 
I will tell you, for the life of me, I, I've never been a wrestler, but I would hate to be the act that has to follow that. Well, it's funny you mention it, because the act that had to follow that big moment was your boy. It yeah. was... Uh, so, before they did that, they brought out the Memorial Day people. And in this this segment is going to... Probably, I'm going to end up talking more about stuff around the match than the match. So, they bring out the Memorial Day, the Wounded Warriors. Uh, Sean Dean's out there, because he served. And they do a Memorial Day thing. So, I, I'm like, on Twitter... And people are like, oh, Cody's trying to use veterans to get over. Oh, Jesus. And I'm like, oh, oh. So, man, so he's the, the, the AEW and him is the only group on Memorial Day weekend that says something about veterans? <laughs> huh? Huh? What is this? What is this? And then you just come in and like, I heard that. And I was like, what are you talking about? So, of course, the next day when I, I saw anything Memorial Day related, I was like, oh, my God, these shameless people trying to get over using veterans. I don't know. What they're, I don't know why they would do this. I don't know how they look themselves in the mirror. Because, again, this will go to my point later. Cody can't do shit. I just I know this. Uh, so lead us into the uh, match, sir. Yes. So this was. The governor, Anthony Agogo, versus the American dream, Cody Rhodes. Massive focusing on the UK versus America fight between this match, which I know is considered, I, I will say... It's passe, you know? It's considered passe. But yeah. you know what? With these guys, I will buy into it. I still watch Rocky movies. I watched the Creed movie back in like 2016 when it came out, and that was built up as UK versus America. I don't give a damn. If it's good people and if it's talented people and if it's entertaining characters, I will still buy into the story, regardless if it is a passe story. Like, people like Stranger Things. It was kind of rehashing of old Stephen King stories from the 80s. So, meh. Regardless, this match was strong. I think it was a good it was a good match. Ogogo seems like he's just he's got a lot there. He's got a lot there. The main going around in the story, the main uh factor that was going in the story was the was the just unawareness and just he, the greenness, I would say, of Anthony Ogogo. Missed out on a couple opportunities, had a couple moments where he just like missed a chance to really capitalize just wasn't fully lack like lack of experience pretty much they were putting through the whole match which is what got Cody the win in the match he was able to counter uh the governor's hammer basically his finisher and hit the vertebraker and that was the pin and i will say and i know floyd will go into this completely and he's already prepared a ton for this i will say from that moment from like my instant reaction was what because i thought there was no better point to make a star than to have anthony and gogo get the win over cody but regardless i know floyd has instant reaction to this and we've talked about this a little bit before the show even started so i will let floyd fully like just throw his thoughts into this match um so floyd floor is yours first of all gogo looked impressive he, i i have called a gogo my favorite wrestler in waiting 
Like, literally, the moment Cody is done as a full-time performer, I'm going all a go-go. I've called that from the beginning. He looked really good. His drop kicks, his frog splash. He looks like he looks like he keeps improving. He can be a legitimate star. I mean, him winning the title in the UK, like any title, TNT title, whatever title they want, in the UK, largest pop you'll probably ever hear in AEW if you, you set that up right, right? Cool. All right, match, good good match. Was not a great match. Now I had a lot of interference. It wasn't as big as a normal Cody match is. It's not. wasn't really built like that. But the fact is, I heard some people mad that Cody couldn't put a go-go over. Oh, my God. He's so mean. He's 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 Jeff Jarrett. He couldn't. He just couldn't. <laughs> he just couldn't put a go-go over. And I call bullshit. Because Floyd does not matter. If you don't like Cody, fine. I mean, is he a little, can he be a little overbearing sometimes? If you look at it that way, yes. He, it works for me. I like his over-the-top character. I like how he just, you know, he's the best. I get it. It's something that appeals to me. I like Shawn Michaels in his early heyday. I'm not saying they're the same, but they're very full of themselves. You know what I mean? But they're still supposed to be faces somehow. So, okay. I get it. If you don't like Cody, just say that. But what I don't like is people making narratives like they need to add something not to like Cody, right? So he announces his gender reveal on AEW. Uh, he does, and then he announces his wife's pregnant. Last time I checked, Cody has a boss, correct? Uh-huh. He's the executive vice president. He's not the president, correct? No, he's not. So let me ask you, sir. Can he do any of those announcements or anything without the okay from his boss? That would be a strong no. So, please direct your vitriol to Mr. Tony Khan if you have a problem with Cody doing something on TV. Because nothing gets on TV without Tony Khan saying yes. Okay? I want to throw that out there. Second of all, he pushes himself crazy to the moon. I actually sent these stats to Austin because actually when I went through it, it was hard for me to believe, right? He's like, I need, to, I need to remember these for when we do the podcast. Yes, it was hard for me to believe. There have been nine pay-per-views, actual $50 pay-per-views in AEW history. Nine! You know what Cody's record is? You'll tell me. Four and four. Four and four. So, there's been nine shows. How's he only four and four? He wasn't even at a show. He's literally the only EVP to miss a show. Was he actually at the show producing the show? Yes. But he didn't even, they didn't even book him on the show. Four and four. Was he the main event of any of the nine pay-per-views? Was he the last match to go on? I know you know this answer, Austin, because I wouldn't. That is a no. Yeah, he was not the main event. So he was never the main event, not one time. The main, even when he went for the world title, and his ability to go for the world title again was on the line in like a huge stipulation. He still didn't go on last. Hmm, doesn't really sound like somebody trying to make everything about him, does it? And four and four. I don't believe 500 is that great of a record, is it, sir? 
<laughs> it's pretty average. It is. Especially on pay-per-views. Yes, and he wasn't 500 until he beat a guy that was in his third match. He didn't beat this juggernaut that had been destroying somebody for a year. He beat someone in their third match. Anthony Agogo's big win was against Austin Gunn. <laughs> He's not beating this juggernaut over guy. This dude is just starting. He's still young, and that's who he beat. The four people he has beat, and then tell me the big names. Dustin Rhodes, is he in the top five of any division, sir? He's not. He is not. No, people like him, but he's not in the top five of any division. So he beats one guy that's not in the top five. He then beats Sean Spears at All Out. I was there in the first row. It was amazing. Is Sean Spears in the top five of any division, sir? No. No, no. Sean Spears is not in the top five of any division. So then last year, his only win where somebody might have been in the top five, he beats Lance Archer for the TNT title. And then he uh, uh, and then he beats Anthony Agogo, who is in his third match. He has lost to Chris Jericho. He has lost to MJF. Um, good Lord, I'm kind of freezing. He lost to Darby Allen, <laughs> and uh, I forgot who the fourth loss was to. Well, wouldn't it be... It, uh... Chris Jericho, MJF, Darby Allen. Because it was like, oh, no, yeah, um, he was in the uh, the ladder Brody. match. He was in the ladder, oh, no, match. The ladder, match, ladder yeah. match. He then lost that match. So these big moments he gets, he doesn't seem to win. So it's just like the Young Bucks, same period, six and three in pay-per-views. Six and three. <laughs> uh, one of their losses was in... Uh, oh, no, I think the one of the wins was in the uh, Stampede. They won the tag team titles and did it defended it every time. The two their losses were to Proud and Powerful, uh, Kenny Omega and uh, Adam Page, and a lot. I forget the last one, but is it Lucha Bros? Yeah, Lucha Bros. They lost the AAA titles back to them at All Out. So yeah, three losses. Kenny Omega five and four. And again, I don't have a problem with this, but the whole idea that this is somehow Cody practicing vanity is crazy. Kenny Omega, personally, never has lost a single match on Dynamite. Not one. Cody Rhodes got three-minute destroyed. Probably the most memorable squash match in Dynamite history by Brody Lee where he didn't even get one offensive move in. Who else who else is doing that in the company? That's a major star. Chris Jericho ain't got destroyed like that. No one has. So, I don't think that does much for his vanity. He then beats Brody Lee and then loses pretty much immediately to Darby Allin the TNT title. <laughs> so, I I like I said, I don't care if you don't like Cody I don't need anyone to like Cody. I like what I like. But when you start kind of spreading these false narratives, that's when I'm going to use my tiny itty bitty platform, which is this show to yell at you and call you stupid. This is Floyd's response to those people. Shut the fuck up. Well, thank you. Exactly. Like you don't like Cody. Cool. He's, he was born rich. 
He stayed rich, you know, got a WWE contract at a remarkably young age, has a super hot wife, you know, puts tattoos on his neck, you know, <laughs> wraps, uh, wraps his bus in his logo, you know, has a, you know, for a weigh in, he has like 900 people in tracksuits representing the Nightmare There's family. A judge on a show with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> I mean, it, a hundred different reasons you can hate the man. Okay, me. Yes, but hating him for booking himself strong is just not factual. <laughs> He's not Jeff Jarrett in any way. No, no disrespect for Jeff Jarrett because I love T- early TNA. Love that was some of my favorite wrestling ever was early TNA. But it's just like they are completely two different cases and two different energies. So there was on my grand. Canyon size holes in any of your arguments about why you don't like Cody. Uh, like I said, if you just don't like Cody, just say it. I have been of this case that Cody is as polarizing, as polarizing in AEW as John Cena is in WWE because Cody yesterday put out a pride shirt where he said all the profits. His cut of the shirts, every cent of his cut of the shirt, hundred percent, is going uh, is going to a trans equality project. I think that's what it is, and somehow people go off on him for doing that, for doing charity. They hate him for doing charity. I don't understand this. <laughs> Floyd, Floyd's got to be Floyd's got to be out here defending like Cody's name being dragged in the mud because Cody Cody will walk through it with a smile on his face, but Floyd's got to be the one to be like, "Yo, fuck y'all, shut the fuck up." Exactly, exactly. I have to do it because I know he won't. But National Center of Transgender Equality, I think they raised like last year for the Trevor Project, he raised like thirty thousand dollars, and it's just like I got people like, "Why does it got to be Cody? Why couldn't it be one of the people? Because Cody's shirt sells. I, I mean, don't you want to give the most money to this project? Huh. <laughs> I'm, uh, so I'm at the last thing and we move on. I'm at the, the hotel and I'm downstairs and I'm sitting in a chair waiting for Tiffany to come down. And uh, I'm sitting there and there are guys with jazz wares. And I was telling them how I collect the figures and blah, blah, blah. And they say, we keep getting told there's too many Cody figures. But, and then in the next sentence, he says, but we can't keep them in stock. (laughs) There's too many Cody figures that everybody buys them all the time. So in the next series and the next series, you're going to see more Cody. You know why? Because us... The people that love Cody, we purchased them. There you go. Suck it. And <laughs> suck it. <laughs> there you go. With that uh, wrapped up in a nice little bow, we can move on to the TNT title match between champion best man Miro versus the murder hog monster Lance Archer. Uh, we will mention as well uh, at the weigh-ins at the Fan Fest, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts got laid out after the uh, commotion that took place between I think it was Britt Baker versus Sheeta's uh, weigh-in and Miro took it upon himself to then lay out Jake the Snake Roberts at that time so these guys just came 
instantaneously uh, after each other. Archer just flew over the top rope to get after Miro, uh, and they just fought like tooth and nail against each other. These guys did so well, um, and I especially think um, Miro is really showcasing like how well of a TNT champion he's going to be. Um, I did love the spot at the end where he shouted for the game over and the fans screamed it along with him. I thought that was great, making sure that gets over. Um, these two guys, they gave us exactly what we were looking for, exactly what we expected from them was just two big meaty men slapping meat and just beating the hell out of each other. Uh, Lance Archer, man, I'm, I know it's not, it's not his time right now. It seems like in AEW, I do think he'll get his, his shine, his shining moment. I think very, uh, down, down the road soon because he's just fucking so good. He's just so good. And yeah, I'm I'm all in on Miro as TNT champion. I'm loving how dominant he is, and I'm loving how just vicious these two guys went at it. It was really strong. And I, I yeah, this was my big man slapping me uh, match, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, great. Uh, it, it's sad in the days in the world that we had to tell you that uh, that Miro wouldn't throw a real snake. Across the room, you yes, no, it to... wasn't a real snake, people. Come on. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was a little. I, you know, in those one of those cases, I don't feel the need to defend AEW. I'm embarrassed for anybody that thought it was real. I'm embarrassed like, for you, fans. And you're like, oh, this is the point where it's like it's it's wrestling, it's fake, but they threw a real snake across the room. No, like, that thing never moved in the bag. You know, yeah. it, it was just it was just a bag with something. That was wrapped and circled like a snake. It was hilarious. But the match was great. Miro got a strong win. But I do have to go off on something a little bit. Why can't Lance win? I don't know, man. It's just seeming like he's just not really in the right. He's just really used to enhance a lot of people, it seems. I mean, it was like, and it was like, he didn't really cheat. Actually, the person that came closest to cheating was... Lance with Jake the Snake. Yeah, I yeah. think it was just like I don't know. Uh, AEW, you, the July twenty first live from you know, quote unquote Dallas, Texas, because you know it's not an actual Dallas, but quote unquote Dallas, Texas. I mean, do right by Lance. Let the Murder Hawk win. Get him yeah, his give title. Him, I think I think the Murder Hawk is due a couple big wins. But that dude does nothing but show up and show out. It's like I haven't seen a bad Lance Archer match. No. He goes forward, he goes straight. He is the most probably most imposing looking person on the roster. Even more than Miro. I'm just like you look at his height. Oh, he's yeah, his he, size, he's just the size is the, so much. The more. Mohawk is just He's it's the most more prevalent, most imposing person on it, and I'm like, I know he gets to be on the show. That's great. Come on, you gotta get the Murder Hawk a win. Come on, come on, we gotta give him a big win. It, it, I'm, he, I'm on Floyd's side. He's that. he's kind of becoming the uh, Team Taz of big men. Let's let's hope we don't get to that point. Hopefully. Now, like he he'll beat up everybody smaller than him, but when he gets to a big match, he loses, and that kind of you know, I kind of want Lance Archer to win. Oh, Dallas is on, Texas is on, or excuse me, our our little inside joke, Oklahoma City's on, Lance Archer. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I, I was not happy with this. Like I said, I think 
I thought, and I know they don't want to do this. I know they're not WWE, and it was my WWE brain seeping in when I suggested the no contest or the time limit draw. But I'm just like, I think it would have did so much more for the belt moving forward if Lance can say, you didn't beat me. I didn't beat you, but you didn't beat me. And I think they could build up to a big dynamite match. But it's kind of like Antonio Trust. Like, they're going to do something moving forward. Because now Lance Archer, I mean, Miro beat up Jake Snake and beat up Jake. So it ain't like Lance is about to let this go. Not at all. Not at all. But we can now move into the AEW Women's Championship match between champion Hikaru Shida and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. We had it all in our minds that this was going to be the big coming out, I suppose, moment for Britt Baker to just solidify herself as the top of the women's division. And that was 100% the case. I was still very happy that Shida got a strong response from the crowd because, like, honestly, it's like... I know it was it was bad circumstances for when she became champion, and I know that not everything she did was exactly must-see television, but she was still a good champion. She was still a really good champion, their longest-reigning champion so far. Um, and, yeah, I think, I think I'm glad to see that she got such a good... She got still, still got a good response uh, from the crowd on that uh, match. DMD. DMD. Yes. How, how loud was that? That was when so she loud. came out at the beginning and did D M D. It wasn't necessarily together because I think some people in the crowd started before. It was kind of funny. I laughed, but I was like, just wait for her to point. I mean, she literally does it. Not a lot of wrestling <laughs> are great with timing. I will say, I can say that per. I can say that firmly. Listening to when they cut the music off for mm. Judas, some people are rushing through it a little bit. Exactly. She literally goes D M D. That's all you gotta do. Swallow her finger. Follow along. <laughs> yeah. No. So, like, half the crowd was done with DMD before she even started it. And, yeah, I thought that was cool. Match kind of got off to a slow start. Honestly, this was... Everybody just wanted... Honestly, they just wanted Britt to go in there, hit her with the move, tap her out, and just win, like, right then. But, you know, that's not wrestling. They had to put on a match. Now, let me tell you, I was 100% certain Britt Baker was going to win this match. But there was like three times in the match where I was not 100% <laughs> Britt Baker was going to win this match. She hit the Falcon Arrow. We always kick out. But then she followed it up with her knee. Mm-hmm. Like no one had gotten up from that knee. She had even put Nyla Rose away with that knee. Yeah. She hit a flush. And she goes for the pin and Britt Baker kicks out. Uh, um, <laughs> there was another like top rope move. And I was like, I, th- I thought they could end it like that. It was just a bunch of reversals. And they did everything in their power by putting this match together to make you think Hikaru Shida was retaining before they finally gave you Britt Baker slapping on that beautiful move, the Mandible Claw. That locked y'all, a.k.a. the Mandible Claw. And she gets the... Uh, she gets the tap out, you know. Sheeta had to tap out. Oh my God, the crowd went crazy. Roof came unglued. Even it, though there's no roof on Daly's place, but yes, they 
they had such a strong response from Britt Baker getting that win. Uh, I especially also love the little uh, nod to uh, the friendship between Tony Schiavone and Britt Baker as Tony leaves his commentary position to go give a hug to uh, Britt. That was lovely. Um, But yeah, she is... Britt Baker now has a chokehold on the women's division being the champion, and she is going to, if people thought the AEW Women's Championship was kind of mediocre, she will make sure that title is just unstoppable and like unbelievably popular as there is a moth flying around in my room, and it's distracting me. But I will say also, as a slight little deterrence, since we didn't mention this uh, when we were talking about, uh, well, this happened uh, after we did our episode uh, f- during uh, Friday Night Dynamite, leading into Double or Nothing. Uh, yeah, we can we can kindly say fuck off to the uh, uh, Spanish announcer who proceeded to mock Akarashita with the with her accent on the Spanish announce team. Uh, it wasn't Alex Abrahantes. He wouldn't do that. He asked this guy to translate. And he decided to speak in a Japanese accent incredibly inappropriately. He can kindly fuck off. That's unbelievably awful. And I just had to put something out on that just because, again, it's a commentating issue. And even if it's in a different language and even if it's not the American commentators, that is unacceptable. And the fact that that happened is infuriating. I'm glad that AEW and Tony Khan made sure to get him out as soon as possible because that's you just can't stand for that. Um, it's like doing this at home in the privacy of your own home is wrong. You should never do this. But to do this at your place of business while you're being recorded, it's just downright stupid. Again, it's just like even it's it's the golden rule. Like no matter what is on, if you're in commercial or whatnot, you, you are always on air in in your mind. So you don't do shit like this. So, yeah, so, yeah, it was just stupid. This is, like, as a person that has never, like, done this as a in profession, it's just, like, anytime you're in a situation where you're being recorded, you don't say stuff like that. You're very careful about what you say. Again, you should never say it. This is completely unnecessary and just mean-spirited. But, damn, you're at work. Yeah. Be professional. <laughs> yeah, like, dude. So, yeah, that was stupid. I don't want to take Sean away from the reaction of no, Britt Baker. No, This is this is Britt Baker fully like stepping into the women's division. Completely, it. completely face reaction. She gets the title. You can tell she her parents are in the front row, yeah. right over to the left of us. You can tell she just wants to cry and hug, but she stays in character, stays strong, celebrating, and I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy for. I'm good. But with a tear in my eye when Tony Schiavone came out and gave her the hug, it got me. It got me. I, I, I don't tear up in wrestling very often. But that got me. It was like, it, it, it is like, I'm like, okay, let me look away. You know, real ones don't cry. Now let me look away. Now, I, I, yeah. That was like, I got a little tear in my eye, and I was clapping and excited for it. <laughs> then AEW puts out on Twitter that at their shop, they got the Britt Baker shirts. Now, I am very open about my fatness and out of shapeness, correct? I yes. talk about it all the time. 
I sprinted <laughs> <laughs> from you can ask Tiffany from the spot that I was at to the merch stand till I got the shirts for me and her. I sprinted to get those shirts. People are f- looking at me like I am crazy. There's this 300 and some pound big old black dude <laughs> running probably the fastest. It's probably really, really slow, but it felt fast to me. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I got the shirts and, she, and like, so I'm breathing hard when I get there and I was like, two of the perfect shirt. Uh, uh. And she's like, what? She's like, why were you running? She's like, I was like, I'm fat. And I know y'all get rid of the three X's like quick. Y'all order like two or like five of them. And she goes over there and to my point, you got the last three X. <laughs> I knew it. I don't know what you skinny. Don't look at me crazy. <laughs> I know what I'm doing here. I don't know what you skinny people be doing, but y'all sure love to order three X shirts and I don't get that shit. So I, you like swimming in your shirts. Yeah. So I got over there, got me and Tiffany shirt. I was excited because Britt Baker is coming to Houston <coughs> July 17th. And it's not far away. It's about six hours away. I'm going to go down there, drive down there and go meet the champ champ, the new champ, Britt Baker, your role model. Which also, speaking of role model, because I know uh, I will mention this slightly just because I thought it was a funny little moment at the presser after Double or Nothing. Uh, Izzy was in the in the uh, presser area and uh, Britt Baker went down and gave Izzy a hug and then just said that now you're getting a hug from a real role model. Wow. Wow. See, now my role model versus role model match even holds more, you know, on the card that we made. My role model versus... You know what we're doing when we book matches. Yeah, it's got more heat. It got more heat. There's there's threads here. We're playing in seeds in this bitch. Yes, role model versus role model. So, yeah, and then shout out to the uh, fan base. Thank you, Sheeta, as Sheeta is rolling rolling out the ring. It's amazing. Like I said, she held out the division for a year, uh, brought in the new belt, new belt, new champ, new era. But Kakara Sheeta is always going to be up one of those top people. She's always going to be in the title contention. I I want to send a thank you because, like, I really do think that she lift she helped lift the women's division up to the next level by holding it down until they were ready to go to that next level. There it is. Yep. After this was the tag team match between All Eagle Ethan Page and the face of the rest, face of the Revolution Scorpio Sky versus Darby Allen and Sting. This was personally my match of the night. Understandable. Yeah, Sting, Sting looked really good. Yeah, he looked really, really good. Like this is the first time I've seen Sting live since WrestleMania 31 in a live match. So this is six years ago. <laughs> And he looked good in that match. That was a really good match. And but in this match, he looked like Sting. Like Sting. <laughs> you know, maybe not gotten as high on the Stinger splashes, but that jump on the outside of the ring, uh, that moment where he stands up behind Scorpio Sky after he took oh, the suplex. So uh that moment, uh the Scorpion Deathlocks. Then he hits the Scorpion Death Drop 
and gets As Sky's the, looking yeah, yeah. for a cutter, that that yeah. that counter was so good. Yes, uh, freaking uh, Darby Allen, what he puts himself through every match. I I have, like I said, it took me a while to come all around on Darby Allen, but I am in awe of Darby Allen, what he puts his body through. Just on a daily basis. He's not going to be wrestling when he's 40. That is not me making a bold prediction. Look at what he does to his body. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just crazy. And I appreciate it. This is, like I said, this is me being appreciative. This is not me saying he's reckless. You know, know, this is what he wants to do. Grown-ass man. I he's love relentless. Him. He's relentless. Ethan Page is the hilliest heel I've ever healed. Oh yes. Uh, yes, he is uh he's got a, such a punchable face. Such he a punchable face. He literally does like the little like <laughs> smile as he's pointing to his <laughs> teeth as he's up there. Like, dude, he, he knows exactly what the fuck he's doing. Yes, and he's brought Scorpio Sky. I feel like he's brought his heel game to another level. He's cause he has to match Ethan Page. And of course this feud's not over. But for one night, Sting got to be Sting again. I personally, this is only me, and I, I, you know, best judgments to Tony Khan and Mr. Steve Borton. Uh, God, if that was Sting's last match, I am okay. Honestly, like I, I am, I am a hundred percent like, like I'm a huge like I've, I've already shown my love and support for Darby Allen. I think he's incredible, and of course Scorpio Sky, I think is dope as hell, and I think he's really coming into form in this heel persona. And I think Ethan Page is just straight heel magic, so good. Honestly, this match was for this match was uh, for Sting's night. It's it's it. The crowd was so happy to see one of the greats in pro wrestling. The icon Sting in a match in 2021, and he's moving so well, so fluently, and he's doing incredible stuff. And like, it's just like, like Floyd said, it was like we're watching Sting. We're not seeing like a battered down guy, a battered down veteran, veterans trying to will his way through this match so he can get through and he can get to the final spot. No, it was Sting. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I've always talked about like my concerns with um, like relying on older talent and stuff like that. And I've always said like I do think that Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, if they had this win, it would be huge for them to give them a huge boost of like these guys should be paying. You should pay attention to them. But at the same time, man, it was great to see Sting be Sting. And sometimes that's all you really need. So, like, I shout out. Shout out Sting because yeah. man, it's it, that it, that was special. If they give me one more Sting match, if there's going to be one more Sting match, if there has to be one more Sting match, because again, just be a manager and hit people with baseball bats every now and then, I'd be cool with that. But if they gotta give me one more Sting match, give me Sting and Cody. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Sting versus a little Stinger, like he is the only one, maybe Scorpio. But he is the only one, like that you can like find an old picture of of them in the Sting makeup. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a literal little stinger. <clears throat> Dusty said his favorite wrestler, you know, you know Cody's favorite wrestler was Sting. You know, he was a little stinger. So I'm just like, if there has to be another match, which I I am fully, like I say, retire. 
I can say I was there at that moment, but there has to be another match. All out, Sting versus Cody. Let's do it. All right. Now we get to the AEW World Championship match between champion Kenny Omega coming out draped in gold with all of his championship titles and, of course, bitch boy Don Callis. I think that was the coolest wrestling picture I've ever seen. So fucking cool. I mean, like, as much as I love my boys and everybody I love, you know, Drew uh, standing in his little pose and Cody bleeding and hugging Dustin Rhodes, but fucking Kenny Omega coming out to the ring with, like, four world titles on. Being the best wrestler in the world. Fuck. If I had to wrestle against that and like wrestling was a shoot and the dude came out that I'd shit myself, dude. What the <laughs> hell? What the hell? That dude just it like it was like God. He looked like a villain. You know what I mean? He looked like the big boss at the end of a video game. He's just like, oh my God, you have to step up another level to face this, Kenny Omega. Oh, t- I tip my hat to that man. No question about it. And he was facing off against freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy and the Bastard Pack. And this was so fucking good. This match was so good. I mean, like, alone, like, this gave me one of my favorite spots of the night was when Pack hits Kenny Omega with the Black Arrow. And then Orange Cassidy, as fast as he humanly humanly can, throws Pack out of the ring, goes for that cover, and everyone's just like, they just forget what's happening and like, oh, it's obvious Kenny Omega is going to retain just because he's unstoppable. And everyone's like, for the love of God, count three on that motherfucker. Count three to give uh, Orange Cassidy to the championship. It was such a good kick out. It gave such a good reaction. I also especially loved earlier in the match when uh, Pack and Orange Cassidy, Pack and uh, Kenny Omega knock each other out. And then Orange Cassidy... Rolls over slowly to cover both men for a one count. And he's arguing with the referee like, that was three. And he's like, that was one. I thought it was three. Okay, fine. And the crowd just starts chanting, that was three. So good. So good. But these guys tore it down. This this was my match of the night. Because they did so well. Especially to the great moment of like, as Orange Cassidy is just about to get the win, and Don, if you're listening to it on on pay per view and such, and on Bleacher Report Live, you hear Don Callis just be like, "Shit!" Drop his 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 mic, run, and you know he's gonna get in, interfere, and you know it's coming because you know he's coming to try to interfere. The crowd doesn't know that though, and they see Don Callis pull out the referee. They were pissed. Got such a heated reaction, and of course, like uh, same goes for when the Good Brothers came out and they tried to interfere. But Kenny Omega, man, he's still unstoppable, and he gets the win. And boy, howdy, man, this match was so good. This was my match of the night. It's just three crazy talented guys just beating each other up, move after move after move. I I always say, like, I love triple threat matches for world titles, and these guys just did so well together. It was nothing but praise. I I thought this match was great. I thought it built up a lot of excitement, and I legit thought Orange Cassidy won on that spot you were talking about. I, I, it's like, dude, it was such a perfect kick uh, out. Yeah, I, I legit thought Orange Cassidy was the new champion of AEW, and I, yeah, I was, you know, for that moment, I would have been okay with it uh, because it would have been another hot spot on the night. 
but Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega and Don Callis coming out and then he hits him with the first belt. Then and one then. more time, then he hits him with the second belt. And then the crowd's like, one more. And I'm like, he's the heel, but the crowd's like, one more. It's just it's yeah, the image it's a, of him just taking all of his championship title yeah. belts, slamming it over Pac's head. Yeah, yeah. Just each and every one of them. Yes. Like, dude, like, who else could fucking do that? Yeah. And then, you know, and still kind of be considered a face while he was doing it. You know, that's that's the big thing for me. It was like. The fans were cheering him on. They were cheering him cheating. <laughs> it was it was crazy. And cheating, it's no disqualifications. It's a triple threat. Mm-hmm. Ain't cheating. Uh-huh. No, but yeah, it, it wasn't cheating, but it was amazing. And it was just it's so good. I like I I've always said Kenny is is not my favorite wrestler, but if when people ask me who's the best in-ring performer in the world. I say Kenny Omega, and I have no problem saying that because of matches like that. I've never seen him have a bad match. Like, if since I started watching him till now, I wouldn't say if if I had to play the star rating game, I wouldn't say that he's had a match under three and a half. You know what I mean? It's like every one of his matches are good. Then he has great matches. Then he has excellent matches then he has the best matches you've ever seen in your life. It's like he has all those different levels of excellence. In-ring performer, probably the best I've ever seen. Best I've ever seen versus favorite. Completely different things. Probably the best I've ever seen. And that's why when people get up into this whole Kenny Omega, you know, they get into these little rivalries. I'm like, I don't join in because I ain't got no beef with Kenny Omega because he's an entertainer. And every time he's in the rank, ring, he entertains me. All right. <laughs> so, now, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now we got to just get to the final match of the show. And that's got to be... Well, actually, before we get to Stadium Stampede 2, we had an announcement regarding AEW Rampage. The, you want to go in on this, Floyd? The new analyst from Rampage. Somebody go and get the ass kicked. Somebody going to get their wig split. It's Mr. Mark Henry. Now, in the crowd, when you were down, you really couldn't hear what the announcer was saying. The mic was not necessarily messed up, but I think it's built for TV more than it was built for the in-ring, in-ground, so we didn't understand. I thought Mark Henry was coming back to wrestle, and I was not, like, enthusiastic about that. And then I got to check after the, like, on Twitter, and it was like, oh, he's an analyst. Okay, cool. I'm cool with that. I do think, too, because I will say, however, because I know he talked about this moment on Busted Open and stuff. Um, I do think he does still have aspirations to be in the ring a little bit more, though. So I, no, would, I, I wouldn't count out him being in the ring. As, uh, as, as, a, special, uh, as a special thing to put somebody over, uh, either by losing or being in a tag team with, I have no problem with it. I have no problem with Big Show being used as a special thing. I don't want them to be everyday wrestlers. I don't ever want them on the rankings. I I just want them to be an attraction for pay per views. Yeah, I would I would agree along that side too. But yeah, yeah August thirteenth, the debut of AEW Rampage on TNT, and we get the announcement of Mark Henry. He's all elite. He is going to be an an, an analyst for the show and a trainer for AEW. 
that's a fucking get, dude. Yes, it's. I mean, fucking... you've you've literally got two of the biggest WWE company guys in Paul White and Mark Henry on your or on your roster. Like, if that ain't saying something, man, uh, uh, I don't know what is. And he is a talent scout. He actually went to, he went to, they went to uh, a CrossFit meet, and they were there to, they were there to uh, look at someone else. And he picked out Bianca Belair and talked her into wrestling. Dude, like, come on! Oh, at like, the strong, on. at the strongman competition, he recruited Braun Strowman. He is a talent scout. So when you got people and they're going to be like, whether they got it or don't got it or not, he has an eye for that kind of stuff. He's going to be able to help in the office, which is all he wanted, and everything he's going to do for AEW. He wanted to do for WWE, and they just wouldn't let him. So, I I'm I'm, I'm excited. And then you have another way of getting your popularity and getting your name out there because he's going to be talking about you on Busted Open Radio because he's on Busted Open Radio every week. I I, I just think it works for both sides very very well. Yes. Now we can get into Stadium Stampede to the Inner Circle. Versus the Pinnacle. If the Inner Circle loses this match, they must disband. MJF and the Pinnacle arrive limousine style to Stadium Stampede to TIAA Bank Stadium. And the Inner Circle, they just repelled uh, from the scoreboard. Like it seemed like they were gonna zip line, but no, they're just like being lowered like they're like like they're like they're army vets and they're just coming down from the from the scoreboard, and that alone was fucking cool. MJF is like trying to egg him on. Eventually, hides in his limo. They try to get him out of there. The full pinnacle wasn't in the limo. They come out in FTR's pickup truck, and then the fight is on. This had so many spots, of course, like as typical with Stadium Stampede. Ton of different things are happening. Each member is splitting off to do their own thing. You got <clears throat> Jericho and MJF going out all around the the facilities just going into different areas running into one urban fucking Meyer from the new head coach of course for the Jacksonville Boo. Jaguars yeah as a Michigan fan I was not happy to see urban Meyer and as a, as a Florida State fan I'm gonna <clears throat> hate him until I die <laughs> there you go so it was nice to see him say holy shit though that was funny um you had Santana and Ortiz cash Dax and Tully on a nightclub that Conan just happened to be DJing I will not question that but holy fuck and like they just fucking get into a giant brawl ball, bar brawl uh Wardlow and Hager just beating each other up and I I, I have to say I enjoyed all of the Jericho MJF stuff I enjoyed the Sammy but the big men slapping meat in the middle you know, taking advantage of the Wardlow, Jake Hager was kind of my favorite part. Understandable, understandable. I mean, these two guys, like they, there's chemistry there. You can tell, and they just like they trying to fucking lock each other in a freezer. Yeah, like, there was like fucking meat hanging. I thought one of them was gonna try punching it like Rocky, but it wasn't the case. But they just fucking beating the shit out of each other. Um, I do. I I, I was half expected fucking when Sammy was looking for Sean Spears and he was in a fucking room with nothing but chairs and had a spotlight around him and just slamming the chair on the ground. I was half expecting this man to sing Chicago. I'm not even kidding. Like I was expecting he had it coming. 
he had it coming. If you listen to Broadway and you get that, I appreciate you. Uh, I bet Floyd. I don't know. I don't know if Floyd gets that joke. I, I do not. Okay. Then understandable. Like very few people who are wrestling fans and Broadway fans. Understandable. I, and let me let you know this. I have grown to love musicals. I've seen Wicked. I've seen uh, The Book of Mormon. And I ah. and I've seen one more, and of course I watched uh, Hamilton on Disney Plus. There you go. I actually want to go to Broadway. It's just I haven't just... seen the specific one you were talking about. Yo, when you when you when you get the chance, let me know. I will get in contact. I will talk with my mom, and she will give you a bunch of shows you should hit up because she is our Broadway aficionado. She want she like if she could she would live in New York and then just go to Broadway shows whenever she wanted to like it's just it's just what she loves and we've seen a bunch of Broadway shows and they're all great. That being said, um, getting into the show is what getting back into this match. Um, I fucking called it with Sammy Guevara getting a golf cart chasing Sean Spears. I called it, and they eventually Sammy and Sean would fight their way back into Daly's place, and the match would finish off in Daly's place. Um, as also when Jericho and uh, MJF were up in the uh, in the top of the stands and they were slamming each other around in the, in amongst the fans in the upper bowl. But the match would finish off with Sammy and Sean Spears in the ring. And my boy, Sammy's over bro. Um, And he got, he got the final spot. He got the pin on Sean Spears. Sammy Guevara keeps the inner circle alive, keeps them together. And that's the end of the show. And I will say, was not expecting the inner circle to stay alive. I was no one was. Pinnac- I was expecting yeah. this to be the when the pinnacle became the true top heel faction in so, so, AW. So on TV, did you see the fire explosion at the end? I honestly, I don't remember. I, I don't remember. Well, I was like close enough, and I almost shit myself when that thing came off. <laughs> like I wasn't. I didn't know what it was. They set it up, and they looked like speakers. They set it up and it looked like speakers and they get all in the ring and they're there. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Uh, it was like Kane Pyro times 10. And yeah. yeah and it, no warning. There was like no super pose before it. And it scared the crap out of me. I am not afraid to say that, but I loved it. The the pinnacle after the match, Sammy's getting his moment. Sammy, Sammy, he's getting his moment. And then all of the pinnacle jump out. So Jake Hager, got to tell this little part, Jake Hager comes across where the uh, back row of people are, and he comes walking down there, and he sees me, and we look at each other, and I said, Oklahoma represent! And then he gave me a five, and he's like, you should have saw his eyes get big and a big smile across his face because he saw somebody... You know, from his place that was right there, and he said, "Hell yeah, baby!" And it was—I just thought that was just such a cool moment because he looked genuinely surprised and excited that somebody from his state was like there, you know, oh, 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 celebrating him. So I've always, I've always been about Hager, and I think he's found his perfect role in AEW. I know he's not a world champion or anything, but you know, when you're, you know, when you're in certain things, sometimes it's just being cast well and i think he's found his perfect perfect uh position in aw the big hoss jake hager yeah mm. and man i'm just i i will say as as somebody who like when the inner circle was like 
formed and I was looking just at everybody there and I was looking at Sammy who was like seemingly set up to be there Randy Orton like in evolution style I saw just how Sammy was just carrying himself and just everything he was doing and like meeting him at C2E2 and all that stuff and just everything that took place um, with him and feuding with MJF I'm so happy the fans are behind Sammy. And like I it's like it's so weird to me too cuz like when we were doing uh media for Starcast 2, uh we got to we got to be a part of the scrum that interviewed Sammy after the interaction between him and Kip Sabian in the uh Starcast like uh like I guess it was also the way in or whatnot. But like it was so crazy to me like seeing that that when Sammy was there and like people like either kind of knew who he was or didn't know who he was, but also like thought he had a cool look or whatnot. And now he's just blown up as like some people's favorite member of the inner circle. And he's like really setting himself up to be a future star in the company. Like it's, it's so, so nice to see. And Sammy's fucking cool as shit, dude. I'm so happy he got that moment. Even though, even though I, in my heart of hearts, I still would have thought like inner circle disbanding, would have given them a lot more chance to spread out. Doesn't mean they still can't do it. And I would have loved the moment just for MJF to just again just be fucking heelish as shit. Honestly, seeing the inner circle close out the show and still be together did make me happy. Yeah, so it, it, it absolutely made me happy. I uh, I, I was very uh, you know you know he has Fuego out there and they have the like longest hug right after the match. His girlfriend Pam's there. And it's just like, it's just this moment for Sammy. It was all built around Sammy. And it, and it was. And it's just like the pinnacle's going to be fine. Because the great thing about heel factions is that they can lose all the time. And they're still assholes. And, you know, inner circle, you know, they might still go kind of their separate ways. You know, but it might it's going to be on their own terms, which is really cool. And, yeah, I overall, I thought this show was like a you know a home run i i think the fans did make the show a lot uh one day we'll have to sit here at the end of the year and like rank all the aw pay-per-views but you know i'd honestly say as far as crowd interaction and, and excitement it's right up there with all uh, the first all out i went to it's really going to be a big thing going forward when it comes to looking back at these shows in aw with how much the crowd truly made made that show so much more special shout out of course my boy floyd for being at that show and being a part of that but everybody who was at that show that was given their energy and feeding into everything that the show was producing you need to know how truly special that moment was when just that your crowd was for that show you made so many wrestling fans back home who haven't been able to go to a wrestling show since 2020 or haven't even been to a show further along from that because they hadn't been to one since like years before and then couldn't go to shows at all because of covid like the the crowd is like for this show was so special and i hope fans know how special that crowd was because it meant the world to so many wrestling fans that were watching and i know a lot of people are going to say that the crowd maybe skewed people's perspective of how good the show actually was i think going further down the line again reviewing all the shows at the end of the year i think we'll see exactly how much this show sticks going for going further and how much uh, people look back on it and remember it fondly and whatnot 
I I will always say one of my favorite wrestling matches I've ever seen is The Rock and Hulk Hogan. And it was completely made by the crowd. And I don't think that takes anything away from it. I honestly think it adds to it that it was made for by the crowd. Uh, Great call right there, I think. I think that's a great little comparison. But regardless, we're getting towards the end of this relatively long podcast. So let's wrap it up real quick by going through... The AEW Dynamite preview for Friday Night Dynamite. And then we have a few more news things we'll cover. Uh, For the preview for Dynamite, the stuff that's been announced is Christian Cage and Jungle Boy teaming up to face off against Private Party. Continues on what was happening at the end of the the Casino Battle Royal with Matt Hardy trying to skew over Christian Cage to screw over Jungle Boy. Not the case, and Christian's again going to give more of a rub to Jungle Boy as these two work off together. Dustin Rhodes versus Nick Camarado in a in a bull rope match because Nick Camarado attacked Dustin with his own bull rope that he brought to the ring. Dustin, you fool for bringing such a thing that someone else could use. Uh, the Young Bucks will team up to face off against Death Triangle members Pac and Penta El Zero Miedo. And Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, will have her championship coronation, her celebration becoming the brand new AEW Women's Champion. So yeah. off... Off everything that's announced should be fun show. Um, uh, we, Bucks versus Pac and Penta. I just, yeah, that's your seller right there. That, that, that's, I mean, if I wasn't staying up to watch that match, I would be staying up to watch that match. You know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. And seeing Britt Baker be a crown, like fully just giving her first heel promo as new women's champion, I think will be wonderful. And uh, I am predicting a new wrestler debuts during her championship celebration. I would like to see that, and I will. Who who do you have in mind? I I've been saying it for a while. I uh, I I think Tessa Blanchard. I think she is a person that's going to be in AEW. I just truly think that. I may be wrong, which I'm often am, but I think Tessa the Diamond's going to come. All right. Well, we'll see if Floyd called that, and if he does, he'll take a victory lap. And if so, he never said that. Never yeah, mentioned it again. Yeah. Never talk about it again. That's just yes. But that is our dynamite preview. It's looking like a decently good card to follow up Double or Nothing. Obviously, not a ton that was mentioned. Um, like we've only gotten four stuff mentioned. And they're going to the be shooting three weeks this week. Yeah. So, there's a lot going on. So you're going to the fourth. Uh, you're going to get the fourth, the ninth. And the sixteenth, all all being recorded, from what I understand. Yes, so that's a lot of wrestling that AEW fans can enjoy uh, if they're going to be at the shows. But now, yeah, I think we can just get into our other news and notes. Um, so we'll go to Floyd for this one real quick. Okay, uh, for what we got. All right, so we got all out is announced. It was September fifth. Uh, it was announced at the show during the show at September fifth in Chicago. Uh, then uh, the Now Arena, which was formerly the Sears Center Arena, which from now on, I will probably call the Sears Center Arena on the show. But just know I'm talking about the Now Arena. <laughs> That's where it's going to be happening at in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Uh, you can book uh, your hotels and all that kind of stuff. Uh, just throwing this out there. The Hyatt Regency in Schaumburg is where they had StarCast 1 and I think 3 uh, is at that hotel. If you stay for four nights, I believe, it's only $81 a night. So that's not something that you're going to get a lot of other places. I just know that I booked my hotel and I checked the price 
before the show. It's still there for $81 a night if you're looking for a room to stay in. Uh, second thing on our list is on Friday on SmackDown. So first of all, Friday on Smack, uh, Friday, the WWE released a video of Nia Jax being dominant, dominant. And guess who did she happen to be beating up in the thing? Britt Baker DMD. Just so happened to be a coincidental Instagram video they posted uh, to showcase Nia Jax's dominance. She just happened to be beating up on Britt Baker, who was a former inha- uh, developmental talent. Yes. So, yes. No, sh- no coincidence whatsoever. And, no. and then the, uh, what accidentally got leaked, as I put up quotations in the air, is that WWE was in talks with New Japan to do like a talent exchange. And so... It felt like one too many shots. So Tony Khan, the forbidden door, uh, the forbidden door. Tony Khan apparently in a one take promo with Tony Schiavone, literally cut one of the better wrestling promos I heard all year, uh, where he says there's only one room for one con in professional wrestling, and it's Tony Khan, not that con man in Connecticut. And he goes on to say. That I've heard you've been negotiating with New Japan for two months. But in the past two months, I've had Ren Narita. In the past two months, I've had uh, Yuji Nagata. I've put together, put back together Rapongi Feist and had Rocky Romero. So you're apparently not doing that great a job in <laughs> your two you months. You must have accomplished a, a lot in two months because this is all <laughs> I've done. Yes. So, and, and Tony Khan, he was pure wrestling manager douchebag he got all he checked all the marks when it came to a promo and he had on the sunglasses indoors oh my god it's it, this was an impressive promo uh shout out to tk for doing it like only you can uh like who else is doing that and he apparently he he said during the interview that he talked to new japan said asked them was it a good idea and they said sure you know, and then you know. He did, when he did it, so he cut some promo. So New Japan's like, we're in the news. Of course, go ahead and do it. You know, yeah, Everybody, do it. everybody's talking about. And the last piece of news for the today is WWE did another round of releases. Uh, unfortunately, some people got that dreaded phone call or email that they no longer work for the WWE. Uh, I have yeah. I have the list up for me. I already got this prepared. Yes, they came out today and said they had released Santana Garrett, Ruby Riot, Buddy Murphy, Lana, Alistair Black, and Braun Strowman, and all of them have been future endeavored. And it's 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 absolutely insane, like how these releases have just been. It just doesn't stop. Like it, they've released nearly twenty five wrestlers, I feel like at this like in this year alone. But I will say this: I don't want anybody to lose their job. I I literally, no. if let's let's just say you fuck up my food at a restaurant, and I think it would cost you your job, I I will just like pull you over to the side and say, hey, can you replace this? I am not a talk to your manager guy because how you pay your rent on the first and how you pay your bills <coughs> is incredibly personal. You know, people might say it's not personal. This shit is personal. You know what I mean? So, I know Braun Strowman has been a dick in the past on Twitter. You know, here and there. 
still hate that he got fired. Apparently, it was his contract. He was making like over a million dollars a year. And they ain't really push him like a superstar that made over a million dollars a year. But he was just in the main event of the last, like one of the big matches of the last pay-per-view. He won, uh, won the WWE title at Mania. Yeah, Aleister Black. They literally started doing vignettes for his return on SmackDown. And then he got released. Lana was in a match with Naomi last night, like Team Glow. And they had their whole dance routine and uh, entrance to the ring. And she got released. So uh, there's a lot of speculation going out there. Some are speculating. They are trimming the fat for a eventual WWE sale. Uh, Voices of Wrestling, Mr. Uh, Joe Lanza, if you're on their Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Voices of Wrestling. I don't really give a shout out, but since I pay for it, you know, I don't, and I'm giving their information away, I at least want y'all to know where I got it. So if you want to go ahead and sign up for them, uh, he says it's just, this is what happens in major organizations when, you know, there's a big exchange of power. Uh, and they sold their network off to Peacock. So they made a bunch of positions redundant and no need for. And, you know, Nick Khan, the person running it, doesn't see AEW as competition. He's not trying to hold any of the other companies down. He doesn't care. He's only worried about their bottom line. So... If you were making too much money, you know, or whatever, he cut you. Santana Garrett, I don't understand. I had heard rumors that she was going to make her debut on SmackDown Friday, and now she's gone. Uh, Buddy Murphy, I think he has the probably the biggest upside of anybody released, but because it's like one of those people, if you bring to your company and you push, you're just looked at doing the right thing. You're not looked at pushing an ex-WWE guy. Uh, the, you know, Ruby Riot got released who, I mean, if you look at WWE Twitter from her coworkers, if how you feel about your coworker is, uh, is, uh, as, is a resume for your next position, Ruby Riot will be the first person hired because no one got more glowing recommendations than Ruby Riot today. Yes, and also, um, way to go for continuing to take a knife to the back of your women's tag division because there goes another tag team that you just broke up in that division. Yeah, like, two, two. Yeah, and because of Lana yeah. and Naomi. Yeah. So let's just keep jabbing away at it so that way we have no talent left for that fucking division. Uh, and then last, uh, you know, it was Aleister Black. I think he's, he's, he's the guy. I think he's the power broker. I think Braun will do fine because he's big. But I think the power broker, the chip, the the prospect, the MVP, everything, the biggest free agent out of this group is Aleister Black. It I think Tommy End for sure. I think, or yeah, Tommy End. I think New Japan's gonna throw money at him. I think Rev Pro's gonna throw money at him. I think uh, Impact's gonna throw money at him. ROH, anyone. That is not WWE, and you're not at this negotiation table. I think you're just like stupid. This dude has like one of the biggest followings online of hardcore, passionate wrestling fans. So, yeah, I think Tommy End is like the guy. I, I mean, of course, I want AEW to make the call. I am, I am actually coming around to Tiffany's line of thinking. I kind of like our roster. So, you bring somebody in, they got to be special at this point. Yeah, I just can't believe we're at a point right now in wrestling where two free agents at the same time are Tommy End and Samoa Joe. Like, both guys 
are available for hire. Like that's insane to me. Yeah, like, it, that's crazy. And uh, I was they're like they're not doing Starcast this year because of still the COVID restrictions in Illinois. But you can do a Starcast without AEW because of all the WWE people that got released. No, dude. If like when we get like if we can get WrestleCon uh, next year for WrestleMania weekend, dude. Like the amount of talent like that is available. Like all going like, and I'm sure they'd all go to that event because so many wrestlers go to that event. Like it'd be fucking stupid not to go there if you're going to WrestleMania weekend. Dude, I'm gonna go broke. I'm gonna go broke. It's at over. It's over next, at WrestleCon next year, and it's just it's just like I, I can tell you that now, just because the amount of people not in the WWE anymore uh, that'll be at that event, even if they sign with other companies, it's gonna blow everyone's mind. Regardless. Um, if you were, I will say the same thing I said last time when they made all these waiver releases. If you were a fan of any of these people that got released, I would highly recommend you keep an eye on their social medias. If they ever put up merchandise on their own websites or on pro wrestling tees, now would be a great time to support them. As of course they've, I'm sure they've got their, their 90 days that they have to wait until they can work anywhere else. Regardless, like but their pro wrestling like, tees stores are going to be up by the end of the week. Yeah. So when they, when they go up. If you like these guys and you want to support them, there's your perfect way to support them. Support the wrestlers you love, and yeah, just make make sure you keep these guys employed because they they bring entertainment to you. They bring entertainment to all these other people, and if you enjoy their stuff, you should support them. So that's where we'll leave that, I guess. Oh yes, this is the plug I forgot early. One Nation Radio, they did a review of. Uh, they also did a review of Double or Nothing. I thought it was freaking awesome. I really enjoyed it. So it's on the Soul Suplex Podcast Network. It's already up. So check out One Nation Radio's uh, review of uh, review of Double or Nothing because I thought it was really good. Absolutely, you do that right now because this is the end of this episode of All Things Elite covering Double or Nothing. Thank you guys so much for listening and sticking around with us. Be sure to leave. Uh, follow and download this show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on Spotify, any other podcasting platforms. Stick around. Keep sharing the podcast. Keep listening every single episode. It really means the world. You can leave ratings and reviews. Let us know how we're doing. Get a little bit more viewership and eyes to the to the podcast by giving reviews if you want. You can also leave a donation through Red Circle. That would be incredibly generous. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod. At Social Slipbox is the company and the podcasting network that makes this show possible. Shows like One Nation Radio possible. Be sure to listen to that and all the other podcasts on Social Suplex's network. I am at Zoomer 4 on Twitter. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And we will have Floyd wrap it up and take us home on this episode of All Things Elite. All right, as we wrap up into this new era of AEW, apparently that's what they're leaning on. I just want to make sure you know that this week the episode is on Friday and next week it's on Wednesday as it'll be moving around because of the NBA playoffs. And I want everyone, this is Pride Month. I would like to uh, say happy Pride to everyone and to recognize that everyone should recognize that love is love. And whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.